looking for the King of Podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Mmm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm -mm Mmm-mm-mm. Don't mess with me, I'm one crazy mofo. Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any other films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. campers this is lauren marie taylor of friday the 13th part two neighbors girls night out loving and the new podcast not the final girl podcast and you are listening to crazy train radio Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. 
And I'm Elena, your favorite host from the Emerald Isle. Boy, do we have a good one for you today. Well, this next guest we've had association with for a while now because we did a virtual watch along with her. But we also, she was a part of a food bank fundraiser back in January with us, which was awesome. But anyway, I still give her a formal introduction. She was born in the Bronx, which is in New York City. So she's got that city attitude and has appeared on several daytime soap operas in the 1980s, including Ryan's Hope and Loving. She is a proud mother of three and has spent many years focusing on her family life. However, most people would know her from Neighbors. I bet you never seen a pair of these before. <laughs> Take a snap. <laughs> Smells like a peach. What are those? They're my panties. They're edible. <laughs> edible? Hey, wow. The wonders of modern petro technology. Where did you get them? At school. All the kids have them. Cool. They're tasty. They come in four flavors. Great idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. Four flavors. Hey, Earl, you want some of your daughter's panties? They come in four flavors. Banana, peach, mint, and of course, cherry. Which we'll get into, but also... Friday the 13th part two and it's just timing we've been trying to get this together but the cool part about this is you can catch her new podcast the not the final girl podcast which is on all major outlets Spotify iHeart Amazon Music Apple yada 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 this next guest and yes I pulled out my Seinfeld there this next guest Lauren Marie Taylor howdy Howdy, what's up? Happy Halloween-y time. Yes, I know you have been quite busy since I saw you in person in both May and mm-hmm. August. Mm-hmm. Yeah. May, she was at a outdoor show at Monster Mania, which I was able to finally go formally introduce myself in person. And in August, she was with the same group, but at their Cherry Hill location. And I was kind of giving her a little bit of a hard time in which she bit right back because I said I was going to pick up lunch for folks I know. And I said, hey, you want a cheesesteak and stuff? She, and she goes, she looks at me and goes, you know, I don't eat meat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Like with that New York sass. It's like, yeah, I mean, I was, yeah, she gave it to me. Good, which is all good. But Lauren, how you been? I've been okay. You know, it's funny you should say that because everybody's getting on my case. I'm um, going to Dusseldorf um, next, the first weekend in November. And um, everybody that I've been speaking with, I I just had a conversation with Darcy DeMoss and we were talking about, because she's a big foodie, and we were talking about it. And I said to her, I said, you know, I'm a little concerned about, you know, eating over there because it's bratwurst this, bratwurst that. And beer and I don't drink beer and I'm thinking what am I and she says we'll find you a place to eat so what we did is we went online um uh, uh to like a taste of Dusseldorf or something like that and it turns out that it's a huge fish area where people eat lots of fish it's got a huge Japanese population so there are sushi restaurants 
everywhere. There are uh, vegan Vietnamese restaurants there. So I, I actually got contacted by a couple of cool places, and I'm hoping the one free day that we have on Friday when we land, and I'm ho hoping to hit a couple of those places, you know, the Ca Ben's Cafe and the 1980 um, uh, Vietnamese place. So it's funny that you should bring that up because everybody's been talking about that. My family's like, what are you going to eat when you're there? You're going to have to have meat because it's Germany and that's all they eat. Well, <laughs> we found spots. Nice. And do you know the name of that show in Germany by chance? Um, it's called Weekend of Hell. Okay. I saw somebody else talking about that as well. So never been to Germany, but I would only want to go because I'm not one that would want to travel foreign places because mm -hmm. i always said the place i would want to go is toronto and that's because of the sports nut may want to go to the hockey hall of fame but and, <laughs> and gretzky's restaurant but that's a whole nother but i would go to germany because i have a and i don't think you notice know about me have a background in history and obviously i'd want to check out auschwitz and you know mm -hmm. just stuff from world war ii so mm -hmm. you know I think that yeah, I visited. Um, I visited Auschwitz when I was in Poland. We took a train there. My brother was living in Warsaw at the time, and we took a train um, to Krakow, and we went to Auschwitz. And you know, it, it's weird because our daughter, our oldest daughter, was I think ten months old at the time when we went there, uh, nine or ten months old. And for the whole trip, we were traveling around Europe for two weeks. The only place she cried was in Auschwitz and she was she wasn't a crier my first child so that was kind of eerie and it says something about the vibe that that's still there I was gonna say you know babies and stuff usually pick up on vibes very good and like you said that probably says something about the vibe of the place mm -hmm. if your 10 month old at the time was mm -hmm. picking up on that yeah but but <sighs> Let's try to go a little more positive here today. So obviously we'll start off with the new podcast. What made oh, you yeah. hell of a pivot there, isn't it? So what made you decide to say, let me give this a run? Because obviously your first conversation was with Warrington Gillette. You just released one today. You mentioned you talked to Mr. Moss. So why throw your hat in that ring? Uh, well, it's funny. During lockdown, everybody came home. They all left, left their various apartments in Brooklyn and in the city, and they came home. So we had a house full of people, and we were goofing around. I, that's when I started getting on Instagram and, you know, doing funny videos and whatnot, just everyday life around here, you know, because a lot of people just assume it's a page and it's not really you. So to put up videos on Instagram, it was, you know, we joke around a, a lot about stuff. And then we were talking about movies because you know they would they would come on and we would watch them and it was one my daughter and her best friend said you know you should think about doing something centered around not being the final girl and I was like ah you know I don't know I really don't know what I would do tell you the truth and we threw around that idea and then we started formulating the premise of what it would be who would be the guest and of course, my husband said, you know, you don't have to interview just girls who are not the final girls. You are not the final girl. You can interview whoever you want. And I thought, yeah, there, there is some truth in that because it, yeah, I wasn't, I'm not the final girl. 
So I wanted to interview um, girls who were not final girl. I wanted to interview, you know, the Jasons and all those guys, the masked people. And I wanted to inter in, uh, interview the um, writers and directors who created these stories. And I really want to um, have some focus on up and coming filmmakers too, to give them attention and have the audience uh, know that these people are out there, that it's not just blockbuster franchises that you um, should be looking at. You should also take a look at these smaller, um, smaller movies that are coming out and even some of the fan films too. I did an interview with one of the directors and creators of one of the fan films and I have more coming up like that. So and that's really how it all sort of gelled. You know, I went running and I really started thinking about it and I finally I came home and I got my paper out and I just drew a tree, you know, where the trunk is the podcast and then the branches are this, 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 and this. And that's how it all came. And yeah, I mean, I started talking to friends who have podcasts. I released it that one today with Robbie Vegas, who's a friend of mine who lives up in Northwestern New York. And he has a podcast. And I was asking him, I said, well, I don't even know where to start. And I have this ancient computer. And, you know, my husband's like, well, you need a soundboard and you need this and you need that. I'm like, ah! So then, of course, I backed off of it for another month or so. And then I sort of, I finally just said, you know what? It's like the apple pie I've got to make today. I got to start with the crust and then just build it from there. Yeah. And that's the thing. You, you got to start small. I don't use a soundboard unless we do a live event or something, you know, in person, which obviously uh -huh. has been a little chaotic, but you know, with COVID and everything else, but we don't need mm -hmm. to go down that road. We all know it sucks and has sucked, but with that being said, you brought up the Instagram and your daughter and all. I heard in a pre other conversation you did recently that you, uh, your daughter was the one who set up the videos and different things like that, kind of making fun of you that you show on yeah. Instagram. Yeah, they make fun of me. Yeah. Yeah. My husband actually, you know, they do it when I'm least expected because I, am a little bit odd, if you will. I do odd things and people will see me puttering outside with a motorcycle helmet on when there are mosquitoes out. I just don't like mosquitoes. So I do odd things like that. And my husband came out and he said to me the other day, he has a video of it. I haven't posted it. I don't know if I will or not. But he looked at me and he said, "Hun," I said, yeah. He goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm going to put up some Halloween decorations. You know, you can't be a screen queen and not have Halloween decorations. He said, no, this is dismal. You have like no decorations. And I'm thinking it's pretty dismal because, you know, everybody in the neighborhood, you know, when Friday the 13th comes on, they all, you know, stop me when I'm walking the dogs. And they're like, Lauren, we were watching you last night. Oh my God. So I, I'm the only one who doesn't have, you know, massive amounts of pumpkins outside. And my husband said, shame on you. Everybody's expecting you to have this big display and you've got a skeleton up. And I thought, yeah, sorry. <laughs> My bad. You know, I didn't do nothing this year. Shameless. And I got the four and the two-year-old that niece and nephew that like, where's your stuff? I don't know. We, I didn't do it this year. Leave it to your mom and dad. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I'm making an apple pie. <laughs> it's got to count for something. I said, you guys were still candy. coming. Yeah, exactly. They always ask me, they go, hey, it was funny, a uh, sidetrack with the four-year-old. At the time she was two, I had back surgery. 
And she comes Ooh. to see me in a hospital and she goes, brings me this little goodie basket. She goes, it's got a little balloon, a couple of things of candy, gives it to me. Tells her mom, she goes, I got to talk to him real quick. Can I have some of the candy? <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know, I gave it to her to piss off her mother, but you know, that's here and there. <laughs> Cause it was like no candy for the kids. Yeah. But, yeah. I remember but, those days. <laughs> But I mentioned earlier that about the podcast and everything else, but and Monster Mania. You've been doing a lot of shows, I guess, the past couple of years, take out COVID. So how is the convention scene for you? Because I know it was something you didn't totally understand at the time. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I was teaching um, full time. And so I was basically not available to go on, to take off on a Friday and Monday. You just don't do that when you're a teacher, especially when you're you know, teaching little ones and it was in the city. So, you know, it wasn't like I was part-time tutoring or anything like that. I was full-blown in the classroom, mentoring the younger teachers, doing the lesson planning, being the team leader. So I was extremely busy and getting away for a weekend was just not possible. I did it here and there, but it would only be on a Saturday and Sunday. And I go, you know, to school on Monday like this, <laughs> just exhausted because it is, it's, you know, you're on all day. Um, and you don't, you know, you never want to disappoint um, the supporters of your franchise. You always want to make sure that you give them a hundred percent of who you are. Um, so I wasn't doing a whole lot of them. And yeah, in the beginning with, you know, when Warrington called me and said, get over here, I was like, I, I have no idea what a convention was. To me, a convention was like a tech thing. Or when I was on Handmade by Design, I went to a craft convention in Las Vegas back in 1996 or 95, whenever it was. Um, so I really didn't know what they were talking about. But, but when I first started going to conventions, when I got into the groove, I was just flabbergasted by the amount of love for the franchise, first of all, but just the memorabilia, the old movie cards and the old, you know, the big posters. Everybody had so many things that I hadn't seen ever sometimes, or at least in years. And now, you know, that people have gotten wind, especially since the Belushi documentary came out that about Neighbors, now they're bringing Neighbors posters, which is really kind of cool because that was one of my favorite gigs that I ever did. But we've done a lot this year uh, post-COVID because it's also the 40th anniversary of Friday the 13th Part 2. Yeah, obviously we'd be getting into that. But I know you were excited because we've stayed in touch. And one of the things with that, I believe it was the August show for Monster Mania, you mm -hmm. were really excited to reconnect with Amy Steele. So, yeah. and you've been with her a couple of times since. So yeah. how was that reconnecting with her? It was pretty funny because I was wearing the t-shirt that Gutter Garbs had sent me for part two with her on the front with the, the pitchfork and then the campfire scene is in the back. So I, was, I wore the shirt on purpose so that when I saw her, I could see her reaction and she just screamed when she saw it and I and I said I wore wore this for you and she went oh my god you got that shirt and then she wound up getting one so that we when we saw each other again I think it was in Atlanta 
we made a plan to wear the shirt on the same day. And we did that. And that was, that was kind of fun because she saw me when I had come back from running on, I think it was that Saturday morning that we were in Atlanta and I didn't have the shirt on and she had hers on already. She had already showered and was going to breakfast. And I came in from running and she looked at me, she goes, where's the shirt? I said, I'm going to take a shower and change into it. Cause she wanted to make sure that we were twinning that day. And that was kind of funny to see her reaction to all of that. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And it's like, yeah, can I get, you know, can I get cleaned up? And, you know, like you said, you know, get ready for the day then. But, you know, it's amazing. And I don't think this is felt, this stuff is filtered uh, to go back to Instagram and social media and such. And obviously seeing you on video here, but I don't think you've aged much because it's amazing (laughs) that. It's 40 years since the movie came out. And I know you were one of the youngest on the set as far as mm-hmm. the actors and actresses. But mm-hmm. And you mentioned running there to keep in shape. Are you a long-distance runner? But also, mm-hmm. is it the running that helps you keep the youthful appearance? Uh, probably. Probably. Um, you know, a nice lighting doesn't, you know doesn't hurt i mean i woke up this morning and i might have a cat that sleeps on my chest and a puppy that sleeps next to me and not my husband he's not the dog the other dog and uh the one that's not in the dog house most of the time <laughs> um uh so i whenever i wake up you know i've got sniffles and my eyes are puffy and i always look and go oh god i look horrible but yeah the running does it i was a long distance runner um actually i'm wearing my marathon shirt <laughs> that's funny I was a long distance runner for many, 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 many years. And then of course your knees kind of get the best of you, especially since I did a lot of cross country running. I did a lot of trail running, which made me a faster road runner, mm-hmm. you know? So I would do these races and I'd be going really fast because my, my feet and my legs were so used to running like this, you know, like a goat or something. <laughs> so it made me faster on the roadways. Um, but I had knee surgery. I had a really bad knee for most of 2018 into 2019. And they pushed the surgery, of course, because of COVID. So I finally wound up getting the surgery last year. And it was, you know, um, orthoscopic surgery. So it goes back and forth the knee. So I'm not long distance running anymore. The most I'll do is maybe five miles. So yeah. it probably sounds like a lot to some people. But to me, I mean, I would do... 10 miles on a Saturday for fun and be fine. Like yeah, exactly. Me. But like you said, it does. I was a runner as well. Runner and swimmer. The running definitely takes its toll on your joints. You know, I don't know about mm-hmm. you. Obviously the knees, the hips, you know, just certain, certain things with the impact, but you know, it's nice to hear that you still try to attempt it. So. Yeah. I mean, before doing this, I actually ran, um, I did probably about three and a half miles. You know, I, I went out and I, ran and then I hiked a little bit and then I ran back home. So, you know, mile hike and two, two a little over two miles of running. So yeah. yeah. Still get your uh, cardio in. That's for sure. But Oh yeah. Cause I like to eat, you know, I'm a big <laughs> uh, pizza, grilled cheese person. I mean, pasta out. Oh, I can eat pasta every day. I'm making an apple pie. So of course I've got to have ice cream with it. So I like to eat and, Oh boy. I, you know, you yeah. got to balance it out, you know, I got, I got to balance it out a little bit. I got to try to, you know, keep my boyish figure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause otherwise, and I'm the same way. I, I say, if I don't 
do something, I'll end up 400 pounds, you know, so. Easily. Yeah. Well, my, unfortunately, my big thing is oh. caffeine. That's my worst habit. Now, mine is cheese and ice cream and pasta. Yeah. It's just excessive amounts of that. But I don't eat meat. So, so yeah, it, it balances itself out. But, mm-hmm. you know, I brought up your looks and all, which is unbelievable. But all joking aside, can you believe it's been 40 years since Friday Part 2 came out? Not at all. It It is the weirdest thing to me I it you know it was just it wasn't a part of my life for so long because as a professional I moved away from that and into television for so long so Friday the 13th was really just sort of you know way back in my in my early history of myself and of my acting career and to to think about 40 years it it, it is weird because a lot of people say, oh, you know, how old are you? You know, are you like 40, 50? I'm like, no, I'm sorry. My phone is going off. Sorry. Um, I, and I know I've actually got a pretty big number this year. And a lot of us in the genre, um, a lot of the other women that I've been chatting with, too, uh, we realized we were all born the same year. And a lot of us have big birthdays this year. So it is it is kind of weird to think. And I don't know, you mentioned, you know, how I look and whatnot. I, I've spoken to a lot of the women of the genre who live out in California, you know, and in New York, I, you know, I don't know, we're just, maybe it's where I live or maybe it's just being in New York or being who I am. And, you know, you know, I look like I kind of look like something short of something the cat dragged in on a rainy day. But I'm, when I interview the women who still live out in Los Angeles area, and I'm just like, how do you guys look so gorgeous they just look so healthy and they're like well it's the california lifestyle you know it's the weather is great you're always outside you're always doing something and i'm thinking it's just great i live in cold northern new york and they just have this sun-kissed look all the time and i get jealous (laughs) yeah well you know what's funny that you bring that up living where you do and i'm familiar with the area you are from conversations and stuff we had i won't throw that out there not my place to do so however i find it funny because we're talking obviously about the anniversary and such and i mentioned in the introduction about you being a bronx girl but now you live where you do where it's more spacious and Mm -hmm. more country and stuff it such a dichotomy for someone who was a city girl now lives where you do is it just me or do you find that a little ironic? It is kind of weird um, to still be up here. Yeah, I, it, we've been here um, here and in the general area further north for a while now. And the Bronx girl does come out of me sometimes. I, I was crossing the street going to church one Sunday and careening out of nowhere was a huge SUV, you know, soccer mom, whatever you want to call them, behind the wheel. And... Uh, I almost got run over and I just stopped right in front of her giant SUV. And I think it was a Range Rover or something. And I just went, I'm walking here. Yeah. <laughs> and she just looked at me and she started giving me the evil eye. And I said, get out of your car right now. Let's go. Let's go. Get out of your car. And she just looked at me and the fear in her eyes, her eyes got as big as saucers. And 
she just sort of rolled up her window and decided it wasn't a good idea to start cursing at me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's funny. And I totally get that. I'm a Philly guy, born and bred. Uh -huh. know, you, know you guys real well in New York. And we have this thing, us, you know what I mean? Like both sides, Philly, New York, and you know, especially you Bronx and Brooklyn mm -hmm. and all that. There's this... <laughs> There's this feistiness to us in the Northeast here, especially if you're from the city. It's like, like you said, she's probably looking at you like, what the hell is wrong with this woman? Like, Yeah, yeah, this chicken's going to bust my windshield and kill me. <laughs> I'm walking you. And, and the best part about that little story you told there is two minutes later, she's in church, you know, asking for her forgiveness and getting her penance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have, uh, one of uh, our uh, priests, he would talk about having road rage, but he wouldn't use the term road rage. Road rage. He would just say, you know, when somebody cuts you off and, you know, we're, we're having this conversation and he, I'd say, well, do you ever in the back of your mind just say, ah, you know, you know, exclamation point, stars, expletives. And he says, no, actually, he said, what I do is I just say, God bless you. God forgive you for cutting me off. <laughs> You've said on occasion that you love God because he's so deliciously evil. Mm, and he's a bastard. <laughs> really? He's a wicked bastard. The mm. things he does, let me tell you, have you read the Old Testament? Yes. Good Lord, there's some f***ed up shit in there. Oh, I so I started doing that for a while, too. <laughs> yeah, you gave it a shot. But, yeah. you know, it's funny. We were talking about your looks and everything else, which she looks fabulous. If you ever get a chance to see her at conventions or follow her Instagram and stuff. But the thing with that on that topic, at least, which I found like I had like a WTF moment and I was hearing you on a uh, panel of some sort from either this year or whenever it was at a show that you were hired for the movie, at least as the all-American girl and not sexy. I'm like, what in the hell was that all about? Because, you know, she, when she did the movie, it was, you were very attractive. You're still attractive now. I don't need her husband coming in looking for me. But, you know, <laughs> and I say this with all respect, but it's like, how could you not consider her, you know, to have a not sexy look about her? So uh, yeah, thanks. did that offend yeah, you at all? Hmm, pardon? Did that offend you at all? When that being said, um, it didn't. It does. It didn't really offend me. Um, it. I will say it did play into my insecure self from back then. You know, because you know I was always that dorky, um, skinny. Uh, not popular girl in school. I wasn't, you know, with the athletes. I was kind of this dorky musical theater girl and it wasn't cool back then the way it is now. You know, everybody wants to be in, on Broadway and on in Wicked and all that other business. But back then it wasn't like that. If you were in the theater department, you were super dork. And, you know, I was smart. And so that kind of played into it. So when my career started, I was always the all-American girl doing the commercials. But then when it came to being the not sexy one in the movie and then 
the cute one on the soap opera, not the most beautiful one on the soap opera. That that all played into my insecurity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say this, and I, I've had a little fun with her at this, and I'm not the only one to do this. But yeah, it's, I've said it to you, yeah, so it's not like it's coming out of the blue. The vein of her existence and probably the most sexy part about her appearance in the movie was those brown underwear. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get away from them. I actually find a pair at know, that. The outdoor show. Yep. I remember and then you since saying. then, I've signed at least one pair. Every convention, somebody will show up with them, and I get my silver Sharpie out, and I'll sign it. And just recently in Las Vegas, and we're going to be doing this again in Chicago at Days of the Dead, um, I think it's the weekend before Thanksgiving. Oh, i got to make up my apple pies in advance then. Anyway, um, just realize that. Um, I, we did this uh, photo op with the brown undies. <laughs> Yikes. And it was funny. funny. And it was funny. I'm like, when I was listening to one of the other conversations with you, it was a recent one, I guess about a month or two ago. I'm sitting there going, you were somebody, they brought up the, the brown underwear and all that stuff. And you guys were laughing and joking about it. But then I'm like, do I really need to know this? Because you were talking about how organized you were when it came, like if we came to your house and saw your underwear drawer, you were talking yeah. about, well, I got things organized for this. I got this. I got my quote unquote, my sexy underwear. I got this. Like, it's like, wow. Yeah. And at this point I consider Lauren Maria friend, but it's like, do I really need to know how she, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is, is this something that I have to have in my memory bank that, wow, I'm glad I can go to sleep tonight knowing how she keeps her underwear drawer. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it is very impressive. I will say this: my um, when my daughters come to visit, I always keep um new ones in the way back, you know, with tags on them, because you know sometimes they'll come up to visit and they won't bring their stuff with them because you know, they moved out. You know, it's, they have their own spaces. They have a few clothes here, but they don't have any stuff unmentionables, if you will, you know, to be really retro about the word undies and bikinis and thongs or whatever. So I keep a few in the way back of the drawer um, in a little pouch and they know that, okay, those are the ones that mom has, will never wear because they have tags on it. Those are for us. But what'll happen is, you know, I'll go in, I'll know they've been into the drawer because I can tell that they rifled through it because there'll be some out of place, you know, and I look, I'm like, wait, those are boy shorts. So those go over here. <laughs> so I always know if they look through to see me, well, maybe there's a nicer pair hidden somewhere with tags still on them. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I do. I have them organized and it's great because then, you know, if I'm late waking up, which I'm usually not, and I want to get out and go running, I just open up the drawer. I go, okay, these are the sports ones. I wear these under my shorts. Yeah. So it's very organized. And if I'm wearing a pair of, you know, stretchy pants or something tight, I go, okay, I need these. I don't have to go, oh, where are they? But it yeah. is beautifully laid out. It's just, yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> the next year. We'll and not a brown up. one in there. Not one pair of brown one. Not even close to brown. Oh, gee. Yeah, then we go over to the bathroom and say, okay, she keeps the deodorant over here. She keeps the bars of soap here. Yeah, you know I mean, just, well, she, it almost sounds like an OCD kind of thing, respectfully, that you have everything organized. <laughs> 
Okay, my towel closet is very organized like that too. Yeah, I've got yeah, I've got the Wimbledon uh, and U.S. Open towels here. I've got the seasonal colors here, the white ones down here. Uh, yeah, it's pretty organized. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean that respectfully, but it sounds like if we ever were to visit your house, it's we we can find whatever we need and it'll be in its specific place, which is awesome. Don't tell my husband that because just this morning he's in the supply supply closet and he goes, Hun, where's the toilet paper? Is it all really still outside? I said, No, it's in the closet. He goes, I can't find it. So I went over, you know, stepped in front of him and I just pointed. And I said, Right there. And he goes, Oh, I didn't see it. It was right there in front of him. Oh, but he's I'm not one of those. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not crazy. If you if you come into the house, it's um, I live in an older house, so it's drafty and it's stone, and so it's very cottagey. It's not one of these sprawling, you know, McMansions or anything like that. It's a small house, a lot of little rooms. Uh, kind of, it would make a great haunted house because you turn a corner, you go, oh, there's a little room over there. Is that a room or a closet? Yeah. So it's like that, but it's also very comfortable. I mean, I've got two dogs and four cats, so I'm vacuuming almost every day if I get around to it. You know, it's just, it's, I'm not a slob or anything like that, but if you walk into the house, you can feel free to put your feet up and not worry that I'm going to go get your feet off of that. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But, Obviously, with the movie, I heard you were, at least during filming, a little wigged out at being at a camp where, like I said, being a South Bronx girl, you were more into going to some place like that we know of in the Northeast here as Fire Island. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So could you actually describe what Fire Island is for those who may not be familiar with Long Island? Um, Fire Island... It's just a beautiful place where you have to take a ferry to get there. Um, and it's just nice. You know, it's just beaches and happy people. You know, a lot of couples, a lot of partying. It's just very, very pretty. I mean, I like um, the Adirondacks and Lake George. I like a good bed and breakfast, um, cross-country skiing, downhill skiing, things like that you know a little bit of daredevil type of stuff um that's what i prefer you won't really find me on a boat or in a especially not in a canoe let's face it (laughs) and i would think part of that is due to you were never a swimmer and i know not at all and i've heard the story of you went to try to learn how to swim at a local ymca or something and the trainer said you know what this ain't for you yeah, she said to me, and this is after, I think, six or eight weeks, and she said, I don't usually say this, but you do sink. Hi, hon. Oh, it's a cat. I thought it was my husband trying to get in. It's a cat. Hi. <laughs> is that you or is that the cat? Sorry. It's all good. No, I was doing one, a podcast with somebody who was on, who I was interviewing, and all of a sudden, I heard the door bust open, and it was one of my daughter's cats. They're staying with us, and you know, it's this you know ginormous cat. Her name is Luna, and she looks like she wears a dress. She's you know huge, and she just busts in and jumps on my lap, and 
it was pretty funny, but it, it was kind of weird. It's a little creepy, a little eerie, you know, sometimes. Yeah, I it's re I got a cat that's probably about eight weeks old now. We adopt it for Aww. yeah, a little silver cat and my niece yeah, for my niece and nephew, because they always ask for my niece more so is like, Can can I get a kitty? Can I get a kitty? But it's her parents are allergic, so got it from my mm -hmm. house. Mm -hmm. And you know, my parents are here still and whatnot. And it's funny, she goes, she wears, we walk this cat. We got a harness for her and she, I want to walk. My niece is like at four. I want to walk the kitty. So I go and buy Aww. a harness. I buy a harness and yeah, it's just, but she gets into everything. She opens doors, she'll open a screen door. It's like you're locking everything down like you're dealing with a toddler. It's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Um, This particular cat that knows how to bust into here, she knows how to open up double doors that we have. She's gotten the screen door. She knows how to jump onto the latch and push the door open. So we do have to keep an eye on her. I mean, we keep everything locked anyway because um, we have this crazy dog. And if anybody comes near the house and if he gets out, that's the end of the person. He'll take yeah. your face off, basically. Um, so we have to lock up everything anyway because, you know, all it takes, he's a big dog. And all it takes is just one paw to get on that latch and push it open and he's out and barking. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's like it's, but it's funny. This cat's not. And I know we've sidetracked. It's fine. It's this cat is not. We don't want her to be an outdoor cat. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was funny because I went to go out to take care of some, you know, bills and whatnot. I go. I saw the screen door open. I just go, oh, hey, and my dad's staying here because he's gonna have some medical stuff done next week. And I said, hey, have you seen the cat? He goes, we went looking for her. Next thing you know, we're searching the neighborhood for the for the cat, and it was I just know. we found her. She went next door, wanting to digging into neighbors' plants. But so, mm -hmm. so like you said, we got to lock everything down. That's for sure. Yeah, but, I mean, we have um, security cameras outside, and a couple of times we've seen a cat. And I have a little one year old. Um, uh, we call him the creamsicle because he's creamy colored, but he's your basic you know, um, very light orange and white uh, tabby. And I saw on the security camera, the, the alarm goes off and it was the middle of the night. And I look, I'm like, oh my God, that looks like Louie. So I get out of bed, you know, I jump out of bed and of course Louie's at the foot of the bed. And I realized my neighbor, a few houses over, he lets his cats out and they hang out at night also. And the cat made its way over to our house and that was the cat that was caught on the security camera. And I'm thinking... Ooh, I, 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 how, how would Louie have gotten out of the house? You know, did he bust through somehow? So it wasn't him, but I, I, I know the fear of that. Yeah, oh my was, God, where did that go? It was just like my gut just, you know, cause like I said, she's just this little thing still eight yeah. weeks old. It's like, Oh, but you know, it was all good. She comes strolling over and when we're like outside looking, like what's going on? Like, Hey, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'd be, Regardless, or I don't know, reminiscent or whatever the word may be, to not bring this up with neighbors. And you mentioned yeah. there are people been bringing posters and stuff to shows, which mm -hmm. is awesome. How was it? Obviously, and I heard in some of these other conversations, they didn't corrupt you on screen, but Belushi and Ackroyd tried to more so from at least the part I heard. Belushi corrupted you off screen and and being a bad influence in certain extents by taking you shopping. Oh yeah. Taking me shopping. Yeah. We went to the lower East. Yeah. Cause they didn't um, do any 
illegal stuff or anything like that in no, front no. of me. They didn't, they didn't do any of that. And um, obviously I was, you know, I was 19 or uh, 20 when we filmed that, 19 or 20 when we filmed it. So it was all very, yeah, 20. So it was all very, um, very sweet um, off screen. But yeah, they took me shopping in the East Village and it was my first experience with the whole punk culture. And, you know, back in the early 80s, you know, the pier piercings were not popular yet. So to see that and to see people, you know, with tattoos, that was not part of our general world. Now, if you don't have a tattoo, people are like, how come you don't have a tattoo? I mean, even I have a tattoo, you know. Um, so it was weird. It was definitely culture shock for me. Now, I'm guessing are we talking when you say that, Yeah. You know, piercings like say lips and nose yeah yeah and further south depending on some people's tastes yeah i mean i wasn't privy to any of that obviously Not, and yeah. Like, but but yeah you know the early lip piercings um the early you know multiple piercings i mean i have double pierced ears but i have such small ears that they closed um the extra one closed a long time ago but these were you know major piercings that now seems so normal, but but back then I was just kind You're of like, like <gasps> what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I went to twelve years of cat school. We didn't see that, and yeah, you barely got away wearing little tiny gold studs in your ears without getting detention. <laughs> I was going to say because you were, you know, knowing your background and getting to know you as a person, I know you were raised by your grandmother. So how was she when you would like that with piercings and and normal spot at the time in your ears well my mother took me um to get my ears pierced i think i think before we went to puerto rico so i guess i was about nine years old or so when i got um my ears pierced so my grandmother couldn't really do anything about it because my mother's the one who took me to get my ears pierced and then when we were teenagers and we were living with our mother she was the one who got her ears double pierced first so i went out uh, as a senior in high school, and I got my ears double pierced. But my mother was the first one to get a tattoo, which is kind of funny. I mean, she, you know, and she was older when she got her first tattoo. It's not like she got it when she was in her 20s or early 30s. She was, I think, 50 or, yeah, maybe 50, 55-ish when she got her first tattoo. So I thought that was kind of funny. Or did you think it was out of character for her that you said that? She got that when she did. Um, you know what? My mother was always a free-spirited woman. Um, she would go to the band, the bra uh, marches back then, and she would take me along with her. You know, she was just really about free speech, be yourself, accept everybody, accept people's differences. She was just very much, you know... Um, uh, Woodstocky embrace everybody. So even though um, our childhood was spent with our grandparents, um, you know, I, we would see our mother, of course, on the weekends. And so it was this duality of strict Catholic grandparents and then being with our mother on the weekends before we moved in with her officially when we were early teens. So we'd have this double life going on, you know, we'd go into the city and, you know, go out and have fun and be with different people and, you know, same sex couples. 
back in the early 70s and late 60s, early 70s. So my brother and I grew up like that being, you know, just, I don't want to say more accepting because now it's just a, such a non-issue, but in the late 60s, early 70s, it was a same-sex complete- couples, it was, they, yeah, people were weird about it and which is silly, but that's the way the world was then. Yeah. So I'm grateful to my mother for that, for um, having my brother and me grow up to be open-minded and anything goes. So when she did get her first tattoo, it was kind of like, well, that's weird that my mother got a tattoo before I got a tattoo. But on the other hand, it was very tasteful, you know? Yeah. But, you know, that brings up a good point with the duality with mom being more of a free spirit and then grandma and grandpa were, you know, the strict Catholic uh, upbringing that they, you went to Catholic schools, you mentioned and everything. But with that being said, you have these two different influences. How did that help you as a mom yourself of three? Would you say in terms of set when you, when it came time to trying to raise, and I know you have it. What's the, Mixture. I know you have an older daughter, but is it all girls, boys? What's the difference? No, I have a. It's girl, boy, girl, and they're okay. all within a couple, a couple, two to three years of each other too. So, the you know, it's five years total difference between all of them. Between the oldest and the youngest, it's five years. So I had them all within a five-year period. And you know, my husband's uh, from Ohio, and you know, he grew up. He's a, just a couple of years older than I am, five years older to be exact. And so he grew up in a slightly different upbringing than I did too. You know, as a city girl, he was a small city boy from Cincinnati, small, smaller city than New York City, obviously. Um, so we had different ideas. Um, he grew up in a very open household also, even though his mother was sort of like a Southern belle, um, but they were very open about everything, whereas I did have that weird thing. So on the one hand, we had this sort of, they've got to clean their rooms and be responsible, help with the dishes and do that. But on the other hand, in terms of who they are and um, relationship choices, sexuality, and experimenting with other stuff, you know, he was, he was more open in some areas, whereas I was more open in other areas, you know? Yeah. I don't yeah, want to talk it, about my kids personal life, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it's not, and you notice, like I think most of us do with some sense, when you had your kids, it's not like you were at the hospital and they go, hey, here you go. Here's a manual on how to raise these kids. You know, so it's like, but I yeah. there's no manual to it. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, that's one of the things my husband said when we had our first one. And people would ask him when we would go and do it, because I was on the soap opera at the time. So I would travel around and do interviews. And obviously, every, you know, the whole family would go and be the three of us, because it wasn't just Katie at the time. And I remember we were doing an interview, I think it was, maybe it was in Buffalo. And they said, um, you know, what's it like to be a parent? And my husband, he was the first one to say, he goes, well, you would think they would come out with like, with like a whole how-to brochure or something. <laughs> but, you know, being a nanny and a babysitter, um, when I was a teenager, I kind of knew what the responsibilities were and I kind of knew what to do. I mean, I, I already knew how to change diapers. It was, you know, I wasn't the first person to ever have a baby. And I grew up, ba- I mean, I was a babysitter and then, you know, summertime nanny when I was a teenager. So, 
Yeah, I was going to say I just grabbed it off my shelf, and I was going to joke, make a joke that this could be the kid manual, but I don't think uh, "Born Standing Up" by Steve Martin would. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't think that counts for raising kids. But final question for you is: I know you did a lot of theater work as well, and you worked with both Alec Baldwin and Kevin Bacon along the way. So um, Adam Baldwin, actually, not Alec. Alec, oh. I had met at parties, but it was um, Alan Ruck and Adam Baldwin and Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Yeah. So, and Sam Robards. <laughs> Yeah, so is there a difference with uh, – I well, obviously, I know there's a difference, but between TV and film and theater, did you have a preference of what you done throughout your career? Well, early on, uh, I really liked theater a lot, and that's what I wanted to do. But because of my all-Americanness back then and my singing ability back then, it I just – gravitated towards being cast in big TV commercials and singing jingles for big TV commercials. So my film life or my life on film on camera sort of took over the whole theater thing. And it was just more conducive to my schedule too, because to, I was just booking so many commercials and you don't know how long the days are going to be when you're filming a commercial or how many days they need you or you fly to a location to do it. So it just sort of, I preferred the theater back then because it's what I was used to, but the film, the camera just kept saying, nope, let's go this way, let's go this way. And that's how I wound up doing most of my work on camera. Yeah, which I do well, like. Well, obviously, like we said there, you've met the Baldwins and everything else like that. And we don't need to get into that, but we hope, with everything we've been hearing on the news with Alec and that stuff going on in New Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we hope for the best with that whole situation. That's for sure. Yeah. That's a tough situation. I mean, I've been on sets with um, pyrotechnics and guns and whatnot. And most of the time, yeah, most of the time it's always been a plastic gun. And there's always somebody taking the guns from the actors at the end of the scene and giving it to them at the last minute. But in New York, at least, um, all the big shows, the crime shows, they don't use real guns at all. Yeah, but, you know, it's a sad situation, but it's we hope for mm -hmm. the best. And, yeah, you know, you know, obviously the one the cinematographer passed away, the director was hurt. That's I sad. feel bad. I also feel somewhat bad for Alec because mm -hmm. especially with and, and I say that because of uh, the more openness of mental health and stuff what he's got to deal with with that happening and yeah. you know what I'm saying so there's like a, mm -hmm. how that's going to affect him so I hope for the best for everybody with that situation so yeah yeah I mean I thought a lot about it. My husband and I have talked a lot about it. When it first happened, I even said to him, I said, you know what probably happened is they were probably rehearsing a scene where he's got, because you see it all the time, especially in a Western, where the gun, you know, the camera gets the gun or, you know, the camera is, you know, the, the gun is slightly off camera. And you see that in shots all the time, you know, in camera shots. And I said to my husband, I said, what if he was just rehearsing the scene 
and was holding up to the camera and it misfired. You know, I mean, every time I've met Alec Baldwin, he's always been a gracious guy, always asked about the kids, you know, always. So I, I know he's had some temper tantrum issues or, you know, silly things like riding his bike the wrong way up Sixth Avenue, which is so ridiculous that he would get a ticket of all people because everybody does it. Um, but he's always been uh, very gentlemanly around me and I've never seen him fly off the handle. So I and, don't think he would mean any harm to anyone. anyone. And, and the other thing with that too, and why I would feel bad for him in this sense is he was never from everything I've heard. I never met the man, never interacted with him. I heard he was never a gun guy. Right. So, you know, I hate to see that part of the situation. You know what I mean? That, I don't know. It's above my pay grade, but yeah, you know, to factor that in too, it's mm -hmm. like I said, I, I hope for the best for everybody involved with this situation. So yeah, absolutely. But before absolutely. I let you go, I want to mention again to check out her podcast, which I will have links to below on all outlets of this and check out her uh, Instagram as well. So she's always lively on there. <laughs> thank you Lauren <laughs> Murray Taylor thank you so much thank you Mwah. brand is truly exciting and so glad that they are starting to make a positive impact. Little Bean Soapery is a woman-owned small business based in Northeast Pennsylvania. Little Bean Soapery does so much as all products are handcrafted and offer many different things for both men and women. Soaps, scrubs, body butters, bath bombs, solid cologne and much more. Little Bean Soapery also does things for special occasions such as birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day and special seasonal gift sets. But also let's not forget large orders for party favours by request. The great things about all products is that they are crafted to be nourishing on the skin. If you wish to check them out please feel free to visit littlebeansoapery.com. Any questions, please feel free to also email littlebeansopery at gmail.com for custom inquiries and or ask anything else you wish. Tell them that Elena from Crazy Train Radio sends you. Hi, this is Adrian King, and you may know me from Friday the 13th, the Soul Survivor. And I'm here with Crazy Train Radio. 